Hey, it's Alan, and I just wanted to let you know that you can now listen to the ongoing history of new music early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. As we sit here together around the radio and podcast fire, it's been about 11 years and five months since Tool released their last album, 10,000 Days. That record came out on April the 28th of 2006. Let's put that into perspective. The last time Tool gave us a record of new material, the introduction of the iPhone was still more than a year away. Bob Barker was still hosting The Price is Right. And this is my favorite. 2006 was the year NASA launched the New Horizons probe towards Pluto. It has since flown past Pluto and is well into the Kuiper Belt. In other words, you can travel out of the solar system in less time than it takes Tool to make an album. Now, this isn't the longest interval between albums from a band who has never broken up. In fact, Tool has gone out on tour multiple times just to remain acquainted with their fans. But this has only served to underscore the point that Tool hasn't come up with any new music since 2006. Here's the question. Why? What's the holdup? Where's the new music? Those are three big questions that we're going to try to answer. I call this show The Tool Odyssey. This is the Ongoing History of New Music, the podcast edition with Alan Cross. That is Tool with The Pot, the second of three singles from their fourth album, 10,000 Days, from the spring of 2006. So, uh, yeah, just, just four albums since the band was formed in 1990. Okay, so there have been two EPs and one compilation record, but that's really not much of an output for a band that's been around this long. Yet Tool has some of the most loyal fans anywhere in the alt-rock world. They have such a connection to the group that they've stuck with them through the decades. But just about all of them want to know how their band can go about a dozen years without releasing a record. Great question. Hello again, I'm Alan Cross. We are going to try and figure this all out. This is a story about record labels, lawsuits, counter lawsuits, insurance companies, clashing schedules, disillusionment, and writer's block. This is one weird story, and it may take a little time to unravel. Best start at the beginning. Tool coalesced in Los Angeles in 1990. Two years of rehearsing and gigging resulted in attracting the attention of several record companies. Those companies really liked what they saw and heard. Frontman Maynard James Keenan was not only a singer, but a visual artist and a stand-up comedian. And if you need someone to design your pet store, he was your man. Seriously, that was one of his jobs, designing pet stores. Guitarist Adam Jones was a special effects designer in the movie business. Bass player Paul DeMoor was also in the film industry, working as a technician. And drummer Danny Carey was playing with everyone from a weirdo band called Green Jelly to Carol King. A cassette demo had been circulating, and it fit nicely with the harder end of alt-rock that was dominating music in those days. And in the end, Tool decided to go with a label called Zoo Entertainment. 
they were affiliated with BMG, which still existed at the time as a standalone major label. Zoo was also the label of Green Jelly, so there was some level of comfort, given that Kerry was in Green Jelly. Zoo released Tool's Opiate EP in March of 1993, pushing it to the metal crowd. Now, Tool did not like that because they were afraid they'd be perceived as trying to suck the last little bit of the hair metal thing that had dominated the 1980s. And by the time Zoo released Undertow, the debut album in April of 1993, Zoo was in financial trouble. Even the success of Tool didn't help. That's Tool and Prison Sex from Undertow, which came out on the Zoo Entertainment label. Okay, um, you're going to have to stay with me because all these label issues are going to have a big impact on Tool's output later on. Tool was with Zoo through the time the label ran into some big financial issues. In 1995, parent label BMG swooped in and laid off a bunch of people. And that set up a sale to a new company called Volcano Entertainment in 1996. Volcano's major label patron was Sony Records. And for a while, Zoo and Volcano existed together as a partnership two divisions specializing in separate types of music. And Zoo got custody of the second Tool album, Anima. Big selling record, but as we'll see in a second, Tool was not happy. Here's a track called 46 and 2. If you're a drummer, you may have lost your mind trying to figure out what Danny Carey is doing with time signatures. We got 4, 4, 7, 8, 3, 8, sometimes at the same time. A typically confounding Tool song called 46 and 2, which, according to Maynard, alludes to how humans will eventually evolve from having 46 chromosomes to 48. This is not something that Maynard made up. It has its basis in the theories of Carl Jung. Anyway, halfway through the album cycle for Enema, Tool found themselves to be very unhappy with their record label. Zoo, Volcano, whatever you want to call them, was really slow with the royalty checks, even though the album was selling briskly. And even when the first check showed up, it was tiny, something like $10,000, which was way less than it probably should have been. In fact, royalties from everything were slow to appear. They'd been paid almost nothing for the opiate EP even four years later. Then Tool found out that Zoo Volcano forgot, forgot, to pick up the option for Tool's contract. Zoo had, at this point, been completely absorbed into Volcano and really didn't exist anymore, so it looked like the formality, the task, of renewing Tool's contract kind of fell through the cracks. That's when Tool decided they didn't want to deal with the company anymore. And can you blame them? And this is when Zoo felt that they had no choice but to sue Tool for breach of contract, even though they had kind of forgotten about it. And this is just the start of a weird legal odyssey that would last for nearly two decades. Hold on. You're listening to the Ongoing History of New Music, the podcast edition with Alan Cross. This 
is a different kind of show. It's an explanation of the behind-the-scenes stuff that has kept Tool from releasing as much music as perhaps fans would have liked. We're now up to 1997. Tool's label, Volcano, or Zoo, which more or less the same thing, is suing the band for bailing on their contract. Tool filed a countersuit saying, You morons, you forgot to pick up the option on our contract. We don't owe you crap. And just to make things a little more difficult for us to follow, Volcano had changed its name to Free World. So for our purposes, Zoo, Volcano, and Free World are all the same thing. And then just for kicks, Free World Entertainment changed its name back to Zoo Entertainment and then just back to Zoo. Are you confused yet? Imagine if you're Tool. They're completely paralyzed. When they got together, all they did was talk lawyers and business and financial stuff. They honestly thought about packing it all in. But Zoo had a plan. The goal was to tie up Tool in litigation until Zoo could sell everything to someone else. And that's exactly what happened. In the spring of 1998, Zoo was bought by Zomba, whereupon Zoo's name was changed to... Volcano. (laughs) All right, so where's Tool in all this? Well, a month after Volcano was bought by Zomba, Q-Prime, one of the world's biggest music management companies, they run things for Metallica and Muse, for example, bought a 50% stake in the new Volcano just so Tool would have a home. (laughs) Okay? I'm not making this up. This cleared up all the lawsuits and countersuits for the moment. And this new company, now called Volcano 2, was structured to give Tool its own sublabel, which they called Dissectional. Now, to avoid any future unpleasantness, this business was set up as a joint company where Tool actually had a say in how things worked, which was a great idea, in theory. But all this took a lot of time. Tool was largely out of action in 1998, 1999, and 2000 as all this legal stuff got sorted. And then there was another complication. Maynard joined what appeared to be a brand new full-time recording and touring outfit with a contract with a completely different label. This was a perfect circle. And even as Tool's legal problems were starting to be sorted out, Maynard was immersed in a record called Mare de Nome. So, with Tool being a successful band, why would Maynard break away to form a perfect circle? Well, we're not entirely sure. As this band got going, Tool should have been working on a new album. But because of Maynard's commitments with his new band, the third Tool album was delayed. Complicating matters even further, Tool collectively fired their manager, Ted Gardner, in 2000. We don't know what happened, but we do know that Gardner filed a lawsuit against Tool for fraud, non-payment of commission, negligent misrepresentation, and a bunch of other things. He was asking for more than $5 million. Meanwhile, though, despite the distractions and concerns about their singer, their ex-manager, and their mounting legal bills, the rest of Tool was doing their best to create material for the next album. And while Maynard was on the road with A Perfect Circle, he kept getting questions about the next Tool record. Let me give you a quote, and this dates back to about 2000. It'll sound fairly familiar. We can't really say even a tentative date at this point. We're still writing songs and letting them progress naturally. 
what can end up happening is the powers that be jump in and all of a sudden we're working under the confines of some deadline or window. We're not obligated to have the record out by a certain time. Then, just as fans began to fear that the band was going to break up, a big announcement. Tool promised fans a new release in December 2000 that would be a combination of audio and video material. And they got it. Although it really wasn't what you'd call a new, new album. It was a compilation record called Salival, which featured a lot of live recordings, which we think were recorded on a 1998 world tour. When it came out on December the 12th of 2000, it came as a CD, made it to either a DVD or a VHS tape. Yeah, yeah, VHS. This is how long ago we're talking. There were nine tracks on the CD. Three were new, two were covers, and four were older songs with new arrangements. Stuff that seemed to have been recorded for the anima sessions. Here's one of those. It's Stink Fist. Tool and the version of Stink Fist from the Salival compilation of 2000. This record was, let's be honest, a stopgap. Something to buy time until Tool could record a proper new album. And fans actually didn't have to wait that long at all. Lateralis was released on May the 15th of 2000, just six months after Salival. Now, just to reset everything and to understand exactly where we are, this album came out on the Volcano label, or more specifically, Dissectiono, which, remember, was the label co-owned by Tool. Volcano was owned by Zomba, which was ultimately associated with Sony. Now, hold that thought, because things are going to change again, and then things are going to get really, really complicated. Lateralis came out after a series of legal disputes that lasted for four long years, an absolute eternity in the music industry. But because Tool had such a rabid fan base, because the band toured when they could, because they released the Salival collection, and because Maynard kept the story of Tool alive through a perfect circle, which is a bit weird when you think about it, that album sold more than half a million copies in its first seven days. So, Tool was back. Right? There's Tool from Lateralis with Schism, a song that earned them a Grammy in 2001. Very nice recovery from four years in legal purgatory. So all is well now, right? Well, uh, no. Like I said, as weird as those years had been, we hadn't seen nothing yet. Stand by. Now, back to the ongoing history of new music, the podcast edition with Alan Cross. Tool has millions of fans around the world. And lawyers love them, too, because since almost the very beginning, they have been mired in one legal issue after another. This has consistently impacted the band's ability to make music. And what we're doing is trying to unscramble all of those legal issues in an effort to explain what exactly has happened with this group. So, Tool releases their third full album, Lateralis, in the spring of 2001. Their label is Volcano. Well, actually, it's Dissectional, which is part of Volcano, and Volcano's parent is Zomba, which is associated with Sony. In 2002, Zomba was bought by BMG, which returned Volcano and all the other artists on the roster 
back to the company that had owned it when it was still called Zoo Entertainment. This meant the tool was right back where they started. But things seemed to be okay. Tool toured on behalf of Lateralis through 2001 and 2002. And when they were done, it seemed appropriate for everybody to go their separate ways to recharge and regenerate. Maynard worked with the Perfect Circle and tried to form a band with Trent Reznor called Tapeworm. That didn't work out. And then the rest of the band slowly started to work on a fourth album. Meanwhile, there was a vinyl edition of Lateralis. And remember, this is back before vinyl became hot again. There were a couple of DVD singles and a remix or two. Three and a half years went by before the next album was ready. It was called 10,000 Days, released, like I said, at the end of April of 2006. Tours followed in 2006, 2007, 2008, and 2009. When he wasn't working with Tool, Maynard had his other band, Pussifer, and then he went to work on his new vineyard in Arizona, which is all great, but um, where was the fifth album? 2010, 2011. 2012. Nothing. The band gave fans slight hope with the prediction that a new album would be available in 2013, uh, but nothing. Then 2014. Promise. Early that year. Nothing. So what was going on? Well, more legal troubles, and these ones were bad. This was a multi-level lawsuit involving multiple parties that took forever to unwind, and we're going to try and do it. So let's, let's jump in. 2007, a year after 10,000 Days comes out, a friend of guitarist Adam Jones named Cam DeLeon claimed that he created some artwork for the band and wanted some credit. Okay, fine. But then the insurance company that Tool thought would defend the band against lawsuits, like the one launched by this artwork guy, turned around and sued Tool. Why? Well, we don't need to go into that here because the suit was based on, on a lot of technicalities. But basically, they just didn't want to deal with the artwork guy's suit because uh, it just it's technical. So this Cam guy, who, by the way, is a well-known digital illustrator who worked on films like Ghostbusters, was suing Tool over this artwork dispute. Tool's insurance company was suing Tool. And now Tool was forced to countersue the insurance company because they wouldn't cover this lawsuit from the artwork guy. And if you've ever dealt with an insurance company, you know that things can drag out for a long, long time. And this suit, countersuit, dragged on for eight years. And in the interim, Tool could not release any new music. All they could do was tour. Millions and millions were spent on both sides. Whenever a trial date was set, it was postponed. But finally, a firm date was set in March of 2015. The judge ruled in Tool's favor, meaning that Cam DeLeon had no case. And because he had no case, the insurance company had no case with Tool. And therefore, Tool had no case with the insurance company. Bottom line, as of May 2015, Tool was free and clear of any and all legal issues and was now able to release new music. Adam Jones declared that there would be a new album by the end of the year. End of 2015. And there wasn't. In January 2016, Tool went on tour again. Still no new music. In November 2016, I asked Maynard in person, to his face, what was going on, and he dodged the issue, saying that he comes in with the lyrics and the vocals after the other three guys have completed the music. Until they finish that, he said, all I can do is wait. In February 2017, stories emerged about Maynard going to the studio to work on some vocals. And then the band threw cold water and everything, saying that new album was forthcoming in 2017. But then that May, they did go on tour again. 
uh, but there still was no new music. One thing I forgot to mention, Tool's personal album is Dissectional. Remember that? The parent company was Zomba. But then remember that in 2002, Zomba was sold to BMG, which at the time was one of the major labels. But then in 2008, BMG was bought by Sony, creating a new company called Sony BMG, and then just Sony Music Entertainment. Now, I assume, and and please correct me if I'm wrong, this means that Tool's dissectional label is now under the umbrella of Sony, which means that if and when Tool releases a new album, it will be distributed through Sony or one of their subsidiaries. New lawsuits notwithstanding, of course. But this is Tool, right? Back in a moment. More of the ongoing history of new music, the podcast edition with Alan Cross. Now, as a Tool fan, nothing would make me happier than having to throw out this show because the band finally released a new album. But given the band's history, it might be a while yet. The good news is that the band is still together, of course, which in itself is remarkable. The tensions and costs of so many years of legal battles would have torn a lesser group apart. Hell, they could have just broken up as the result of sheer boredom, but they haven't. But here's the thing. When a new album does come, and I do have faith that there will be one, one day, it had better be good. Damn it, it had better be good. If you want to comment on anything you hear in this show, send all correspondence to alan at alancross.ca. I will write back. There's my website, which is constantly being updated with all kinds of music information at a ajournalofmusicalthings.com. Or if your thing is Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or Google+, I am there too. There is just no reason for us to connect. And remember that we do have podcast editions of this program. You just go to iTunes or the Radio Player Canada app or wherever you get your on-demand audio, and you will find lots of them there. They're all free. Please get them all. Technical Productions by Rob Johnston. I'm Alan Cross. You've been listening to the Ongoing History of New Music, the podcast edition with Alan Cross. Subscribe to the podcast at iTunes and through Google Play. Google Play.